We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Pacer fans, welcome into the Setting the Pace off-season podcast preview. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and today I'm going to be joined by two incredible Pacers guests, Mark Schindler from the Andy Corners podcast and Tony East from Locked On Pacers. In the first segment, we're going to talk all things trade, specifically Miles Turner and Victor Oladipo, along with free agency, highlighting Justin Holiday, the Pacers' biggest free agent. In segment two, we're going to talk about the NBA draft, the Pacers' 54th overall pick, and we're also going to talk about the salary cap. In the last segment, myself and Tony East will do this one solo, and we'll talk about some players that are on the trading block and could be had in this offseason. So hope you guys enjoy today's show and enjoy this podcast. All right, everybody, we're uh, joined by Tony East from Locked on Paces and Mark Schindler from the Indy Cornrows podcast, and this is our second time recording this, um, but but things You're happen, welcome. it's 2020, <laughs> so yeah, Mark lost power, he was recording it for me because he's got a license with Zoom and I don't, I shouldn't say that online probably, but oh well, um, it, it's uh, it ended up losing the audio, but we're here and we're going to talk all things Pacers offseason, so thankfully no trades for the Pacers have happened yet, so we don't have to... Uh, kill some of the stuff we did get saved in the recording but um i gotta ask you guys just today we saw chris paul get dealt to the the phoenix suns and now there's some james harden rumors to to brooklyn how crazy do you think this offseason is going to be tony i don't think james harden's gonna get moved um i mean he can say whatever he can want whatever he wants his contract is too long but you know chris paul was kind of telegraphed it's it's kind of hard to save any like the only unexpected thing from about a week ago would be like russell westbrook so it's kind of hard to tell right now because I feel like what's going to be surprising is a lot of like the minor trades or the role player trades, you know, like Chris Dunn's going to be on the move. That's surprising. And that's not like a, a league changing maneuver, but I think we're going to see a lot of stuff that results in stuff like that, that shakes up rosters more than any, like, Oh my gosh, Ben Simmons for James. You know what I mean? I don't think that right. kind of stuff's going to happen. So I think there'll be a lot of shakeups, but not a lot of like gargantuan giant shakeups. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Like I, I think, especially with James Harden, 
like no offense to anyone who's a Brooklyn fan, because I know some great, great uh, Brooklyn covers, but their package for James Harden, I would honestly, if that's the package for James Harden, I would rather keep James Harden. He has a two plus one right now. So I don't see any reason to move James Harden if you're going to get back Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, and Jared Allen. Like that, what does that really do for you as a franchise when you have, like, I think it, it makes more sense to do everything in your power to try and restructure what you have as the Rockets than to actually accept that deal. Um, I think that's just more smoke than anything else. And I know Woj was on SportsCenter today vehemently saying that he has not heard anything about real traction for that deal, and that's just kind of hearsay. Yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, I don't, I don't think that, you know, Houston should trade anything for Brooklyn uh, to Brooklyn unless they're getting back Kyrie Irving, which I doubt that's going to happen. So, I mean, I, I think it's smarter just to wait on – wait on Harden and maybe get someone that's a little bit more of a star level player or could be a star level player than trying to get a, you know, a B level player like Karis LeVert, somebody that was, you know, is good, but I don't know how good they can become. You know, I don't think there will ever be a top 10 player and James Harden is clearly a top five, top 10 player right now. So um, when it comes to the Pacers though, Mark, uh, Miles Turner, Victor Oladipo, those are the two big names on the market. We'll start with Oladipo, all the drama that happened last week mm-hmm. uh, on social media. You know, Tom Crean, Victoria Oladipo, Shams coming to his defense once again. What were your thoughts on all that drama that happened? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I was unprepared for it, I think would be a great way to put it. I remember Jay Michael's article came out, and I saw the headline – and then I read it and I was like, oh my God, this is not what I was planning for today. And uh, yeah, I, I think immediately it, it, it took me a little bit. I had to sit back and be like, okay, you know, this is stuff that happened months ago. Um, obviously, it's still relevant because the report came out um, and the, it's a completely valid report. Like I'm strongly backed. Uh, someone from the Miami Heat, a sideline reporter, um, corroborated as well with an unnamed player. Um, so I think you look at it and like, obviously that's not good, but you know, with everything that's come out in terms of, uh, you know, him actually speaking with Nate Bjorkren and um, being pretty open about, you know, being excited to be with the Pacers. Um, I think that's a, I don't want to say positive because the whole situation is still negative as a whole PR wise. And um, just in general, um, I still think it was weird that he came out and made his statement through the athletic. I really think that that was an opportunity to, make a statement through either a team PR or just him actually in public making a statement instead of through someone else. Because when you make a statement through someone else, it it tends to mean a lot less or lose a lot of the value. So that's kind of where I'm at at on it right now. Um, When the whole thing happened with Victoria Oladipo and Miles Turner, that really just kind of sent me, I was like, Oh wow, we're going this far today. So that was, um, that was an entirely different, scenario and uh pacers pr snatched the phones real quick after that so um we are that's where we're at right now you know what's funny with this conversation is i've had to re-record podcasts before this is uh, mm-hmm. some some in-depth stuff for you listeners i've had to re-record podcasts before it's always hard to kind of like get the same conversation that you had the first time right so for for off-season stuff it's possible because it's dynamic it's interesting it keeps changing this Victor Oladipo stuff and internet drama, it's exactly the same. And we talked yeah. about it yesterday. I'm like, oh, we're doing yeah. the same thing again. But yeah. so the, the yeah, the, what we talked about yesterday, it's like it's hard to cut through the noise of how this will impact the team and and what's just his sister's involvement in not liking Miles Turner um, because she was just replying to someone else who said his name. She didn't actually imply that she, you know, the thing she said is she had receipts. She didn't imply that the receipts were related to this exact story or something totally different. 
it obviously looks bad. It's a lot of drama on the internet. You know, maybe there is some internal tensions. We, I can't know that. I don't, I think we talked about that yesterday. We can't know how much this will actually impact the team, but I think what we landed on is I think the team is, has decided and, and Victor kind of helped decide for them by releasing a statement via the athletic is like mm-hmm. the value they can regain by having him gain value throughout the season before his contract expires. Because remember the big part of that story was he's not entertaining an extension before the season. So he's going to be expiring all year. The big part of that is, is the value he will gain by playing better. You know, his value won't go down worth having a little bit less chemistry. I think the Pacers are saying, yeah, because well, they can't read anything from what's going on, on the internet. I'm sure they've talked to the players. Bjorker and who spoke today at a, at a, a toy giveaway talked about, you know, how he communicates with the players all the time. He was just referring to community involvement, but I think that extends to basketball. Obviously, it's not like they're just like buddies who talk. You know, he's a coach and players. So I'm assuming they know what this, the whole situation is and know what kind of impact it will have on the team. And they're just they're going to roll with it and try to see if they can't keep Vic happy and, and keep the team rolling when the season starts. Yeah, I guess we did get some news, though. Calbert Chaney uh, was yeah, uh, added yeah. to the staff today. So that was that was kind of shocking to see in the morning. I was not expecting that, especially after they just released their assistant coaching staff, you know, uh, press release. On yeah, Friday. Very odd. Very yeah. odd timing. So, I mean, and it all kind of happened after the entire thing went down on social media. Do you think that this was a last pitch effort to try to kind of calm things down for Vic since him and Calvert do have a relationship? I I don't know. <laughs> you know what? Like like the Sixers have done a press release for all their assistant coaches. They haven't hired anyone since then. The Pelicans and Clippers did today. I'd imagine they're not hiring any more assistant coaches. Um, the Bulls have announced their assistant coaches on their website. They haven't hired anybody since. So this is pretty rare, right, that a team will say, here's our assistants this season, and then add someone after that. So I don't know if it's like a dynamic situation that caused them to do that, or they just really liked Genie and they could actually get him, or, or what the deal is. And he could be like the player development coach, right, not actually an assistant, who knows. But, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's interesting that that's something that rarely happens. Not that it's a bad thing, right? He, he's a good basketball coach. He's been in the G League for a few years, coached in co- college level, uh, and obviously he's a legend in the state. So, yeah, we'll see if he can, you know, maybe form a relationship with Oladipo and the rest of the roster and be, be an asset to the team. Yeah, Mark, anything from you? Uh, former blue chip star as well. Um, no, yeah, I. It's it's funny because I, I obviously wasn't around when when that came out, and I don't think you guys were either because I think he was like big in '94 was when he won National Player of the Year. Um, no, I mean I think it was an interesting hire, but again, like like you mentioned, it's just kind of weird after we really thought the coaching staff was set already. Already, and something else that I think is funny, I know that the Pacers r- routinely have a shorter bench than everyone else, but. Um, I think it was uh, the Raptors finalized their coaching staff, I believe, after hiring Chris Finch. And they have like seven people on the bench next year. And the Pacers are going to have five. Uh, which Mark, is- go, read the, go read the Clippers press release from today. It's like, okay, Dan Craig and Chauncey Billups and Barack Obama and Beyonce. <laughs> and it's crazy, dude. It's like yeah. Celebrity Row. It's, it's so weird. Like, I, I don't really understand. It's like, like 15 I, maybe, people. Yeah. There's so many people on coaching staffs on some of the other teams. It's kind of weird to look at yeah well I, I i will say this so since yesterday since we talked i've i've posted some stuff on twitter and i've gotten some interesting comments back and the stuff that i keep getting is j michael is the one that started all this drama between oh come on brother. that's and it's geez. all clickbait which i just laugh at i mean i don't understand why fans think it's clickbait and then i've also there's a conspiracy going on that some people think turner is the one that uh 
was ratting out Vic. They said they wouldn't be surprised if he was the one that called him out because he's been training with Celtics players. So if you're looking for some conspiracy theories, I guess you could you could go to that. I just find myself laughing at all the fans because I feel like just this long wait and talking about this this whole situation um, over the past couple of months has really just got fans just like waiting for them to make a move. So um, when it comes to both Oladipo and Turner, I mean, what is your probability that one of them gets traded, Tony? Yeah, um, I think it's probably a little higher for Miles, just given Vic's statement, the structure of the team, the way the league is trending, stuff like that. Um, I don't. Th- I think Miles, I'd probably put like right on fifty percent. Basically, I'd get both sides of it if they keep them. You know, they want to see what Bjorkern can do with these guys. Creativity. They have a ton of time left on these guys' contracts. There's no rush. Same kind of deal with Miles as Oladipo, but for different reasons. It's not like if Miles plays the exact same season he had last year, or this year his trade value will be. A, like a little lower because he'll get older, but it'll be about the same next year. Um, so there's reasons to keep him, and he's obviously very talented. He just, you know, is pretty inconsistent, has been miscast at times. And Oladipo, it seems like they're going into the season with him. I still think he gets traded before the deadline. So if it's before the deadline, his is very high for me, like 80, 85%. But going into the season, I would say Victor at about 30% and Miles at about 50. Okay, Mark? Um, yeah, I think I lean kind of the same. Um just based on everything we know, like, I think that's kind of what has changed for me since we recorded this yesterday. Like, I originally was a little bit higher on, on Vic getting traded yesterday, but now I'm kind of really taking a minute to to look back and think of things like this stuff is, you know, it, it happened in the past, like oh, before the coaching regime changed. Um, it sounds like we're overthrowing a government when I say regime, but um, <laughs> like, I, you know, I, I think that's kind of important to keep in mind with all this that um, Vic has been from from what we know, like pretty uh, on board with, with everything since the coaching change. Um, so I think that's what I'm kind of leaning towards. And obviously, again, from all the pressers that we've heard, um, they're, they're pretty they, – they seem very in tune with running it back. Um, so right now, I, I think I lean more, more with Tony on uh, if Vic does get traded, it would be at the trade deadline or sometime leading up to then. Um, I think with Miles, though, I this is more just me being – I don't want to say hopeful because I, I love miles. Awesome dude. Um, and he's a very good player, but just in terms of the Pacers roster, I've been really open on thinking that uh, I'm, I'm pretty over two bigs and, and it, it really just, I, I don't think that it's going to ever hit a level that's good enough to warrant doing it and spending the money that we are on it. Um, or I shouldn't say we, that the Pacers are on it. Um, and I, I don't know. So I, I think I would personally, if I'm KP, I'm willing to, to try and find a move miles because i don't really see how his value is going to improve throughout the season unless he takes some drastic steps uh under nate bjorkman's offense yeah and i and i will say this too like if you're looking at players that have been linked to miles and rumors i think gordon hayward's probably been the most common name and today mark murphy uh writes for the boston herald came out and said that hayward has not decided on a 34.1 million dollar option has until 5 p.m on tuesday to exercise it I would say he hasn't uh, pu- publicly decided. I would guess that uh, Gordon Hayward knows what he's going to do. Okay, well, publicly, I will then. bet uh, three point four one dollars uh, exactly what he. Does. You think he's going to opt in? They said all I can yeah. say is there's a lot of people that want him, is what he said in quotes in his oh, report. Wow. So that's well, the yeah. only reason I was going to throw that out there, Tony. Because what if he does, you know, work something out with the Celtics to do a sign a trade? It's so many moving parts, right? Like it's so. Like, it's possible, right? It's every part of the the machination that has to happen to get Hayward to any other team, Pacers, whoever, he says, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to be there. 
Yeah. It, it all is possible, right? It kind of behooves the Celtics. Um, it kind of behooves Hayward. It, it gets the, obviously a team that gets Hayward gets Hayward, but it's so many things like it has to be worth it for the team trading for Hayward and they can't get thrown over a barrel, but they also can't get him without the Celtics cooperation. So the Celtics can demand a lot and he might have to opt out and agree to a specific, it's very complicated and involves a lot of a parties agreeing to a structure and he has to make a decision first before it's even possible. Right. So maybe that's the reason he, he hasn't decided I'll put air quotes up. Uh, yeah. So that's a really great point that I kind of want to build off of. Like the biggest thing for me, like right now, if Gordon Hayward does opt in, but he still wants to be traded, the Celtics still want to move him harder for the Pacers because I mean, you have to give up like the real only feasible way to do it cap wise is Jeremy Lamb and Miles Turner, and you really can't take anyone else back because you end up over 125% of the money coming back. Um, and then even then, I'm like, I'm, this is not to disparage the value of both those players, but Jeremy's coming off a significant injury. Um, he's reportedly going to be ready in December, but that you know, with knee injuries, it takes on-court time to really see if the guy's ready. Um, and just – like how, how much does that even equal in terms of getting back Gordon Hayward? And, and what does that really mean to the Celtics? Um, so I think if the deal is really going to happen, and also I, I want to hit on that as well. Like if you're trading Miles Turner and Jeremy Lamb, two players who are locked up long-term and Jeremy relatively long-term, two more years um, for a guy on a $34 million option. Um, I would not be willing to do that personally because you, you don't have a guarantee that he's going to sign with you in the next off season. So I think that's just the major gamble. Um, but, I mean, more feasibly would be with a sign-and-trade, and then you can trade a smaller contract along with Miles and maybe some kind of draft assets instead of having to give up the depth of trading Jeremy, too. Um, but I, that's just kind of my thoughts on it. Do you think McDermott and Miles would get it done? Um, no. No. Yeah, probably no. not. I think <laughs> even not if Gordon to, wants out, I'm not, not trying to point, even if not Gordon trying to point out, out you. Um, this is not me pointing out you because I know we've talked about it before, but Gordon can one out all I think, he wants. Yeah, I <laughs> he think uh, the general Pacers fan 100% underrates how good of a player Gordon Hayward is. I know that he was the like technically the fourth option in Boston, but he would be probably the just about the best player if he were in Indiana right now. Um, like maybe neck and neck with Domas, but he's a wing, so I guess you'd probably just lean more towards him. But I mean, Gordon Hayward is really damn good. Yeah, go ahead. And how man. many did my, did my fall count just drop? I'm, I'm checking. No, I agree with you. I, you, I yeah. you no, I'm just, no, no, I don't think you guys are, but I'm, I'm with sure. Aaron this, yesterday, Natan Yeah, he, I, the, Nat Hoops tweeted that, right? Of, of oh, I, you know, Miles for Hayward plus picks. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Hold yeah. on, hold on. Wait a minute. We're going the, something's going the wrong way here. Like, is it? Is yeah, because I keep Hay- seeing that. And that's, again, I love Nat- different Hayward. Naptown, but yeah. Yeah, Natan Hoops is the man. Yeah, no but experience. yeah, no, that's just not that's not going to happen. I think yeah. as much as I love Miles, like it's just he, his trade value is not that high. Com- all comparatively, I, I don't, say. I don't. This is like so too much for the Celtics here. I just don't get that. For I mean, whatever they can do it exactly. Way. No, I agree. If I'm the Celtics, I'd rather have Gordon Hayward on a restructured deal than trade for Miles. And would they rather have Miles than nothing? Yeah, I get that. Like, sure. Yeah, if he's really leaving, but then he opts in. Then I have to be leaving. If he opts out and he signs a long-term deal, then you can just say piss off or give us more. So. Well, and also, if you're the Celtics, like, I'd rather have him opt in, leave in free agency the next year, and then they could sign someone in 2021 free agency when they have, there's a much better free agent class. True. 
Well, they've been the Celtics have been in a lot of trade rumors already this offseason. I was I was classic curious. Celtic. I was uh, yeah. I was I was kind Danny of Ainge was going to do this, but then it didn't happen. Yeah, the the one that was kind of surprising me from Kevin O'Connor was the Drew Holiday, uh, Kimba Walker trade that he talked about. That that had some legs to it, I guess, or there were some talks about that. I thought that was interesting. I uh, can't imagine Drew and Marcus Smart being on the same team. I think that'd be really <laughs> really fun defensively, but. Uh, not sure how good offensively that'd be, but um, let's let's just kind of go back a little bit here. I, I mean, with Oladipo and Turner, I know we talked about this yesterday, so like you said, it's kind of hard, but what would you want in return for both of those players? I'll start with you first, Tony. Yeah, I think it's it's similar for both. I think I personally right now, just because of how Depot's season has went and the external stuff around him would have miles value, just a tiny bit higher. Um, and for both of these guys, you know, it, it's not – an exact science, right? This draft is worse than normal. They has to be matching salaries. There's other, there's going to be other stuff involved, but if you're just talking raw pick number value and they're not trading, like I'm not saying they should trade. So the, the number I gave yesterday and I'll give today is like 12 to 18 range. Uh, I don't think they should do like miles Turner for pick 12 or whatever. That would be stupid because they have good players and they want good players, not picks, but you know, that equivalent value going out, like what's the 12th pick work worth as another veteran or another player. I think that is about those guys value. Personally, I think again, Turner's is a little higher, but there has to be matching salaries that make up some of the difference in value and stuff like that. But that is, that is about what I would say. Mark. Yeah. Um, I feel pretty similarly. Like if, if you're trading for miles, like I think the idea is a uh, comparable, young player or at least a comparable veteran player who's making roughly the same salary um, just so that you don't have to trade a bunch of the complimentary pieces that are on the team. Um, and I mean, I guess for Vic, I don't know. I actually feel like Vic's trade value might be lower than miles is right now. And I, I don't really think that's a hot take um, just with everything that's kind of gone down recently. Um, so, I mean, I guess like if you were trading for a draft pick, maybe, he gets you something in the back end of the lottery. And even then I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, yeah. And I, I just like, I don't know what team is going to trade a competent already veteran making the amount of money that Vic is for Vic. You know, I think that's just kind of where I'm at on that. Right. Well, I remember yesterday when we were talking, you did mention uh, this might've been off air when we were talking, but I think I brought it up was, you know, trying to find a guy similar to like TJ Warren, a guy that's, you know, still really good but hasn't got a chance to prove himself and I think Kelly Oubre was a name that came up and he just mm-hmm. got traded to Oklahoma City and so I know jokingly yesterday we were talking about how James Jones will not trade with the Pacers probably yeah. uh, after he yeah. got shellacked last offseason but I mean I guess Mark when it comes to Kelly Oubre now on Oklahoma City do you think that there is a trade there uh, that can make sense for the Pacers? Uh, I So I actually have been like trying to I've been going through the trade machine for like the last hour trying to figure that out um, it just, it's way harder to make the trade happen now because with what OKC is doing right now, it's weird because I don't know, are they going to want to keep Ubre and say, okay, he's a youngish player with some upside. Maybe we could look at resign him next year because we'll have salary cap space, but then also they have 85 trillion draft picks. So maybe they're not really that apt to keep somebody who hasn't, you know, isn't necessarily part of their plans. Um, but I think like the idea is that the trade is, I originally wasn't sure if it was going to be finalized, but Bobby Marks just put out that it is going to likely be finalized either tonight or tomorrow. Um, so if the Pacers could get in on that somehow, I mean, again, that's trading Jeremy Lamb and uh, or Doug McDermott along with 
some other kind of filler. I mean, the idea, like, cause it, trading Victor Oladipo would make a lot less sense for him going to Oklahoma city than it would making it for him to go to Phoenix. Yeah. Cause uh, for the most part, I mean, Oklahoma city has like, not to say they don't have a use for him, but with what they're trying to do, um, bringing in Vic doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. So I think it's still doable, but it's definitely a lot harder now. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that, Tony? That's uh, about what I would say too, right? Like I thought that, I don't know. I can't explain it. I never kind of like Ubre's value was pretty close always, but mm-hmm. the Suns were never a good destination for either guy. If we're being honest. Yeah. And th- Turner is a good, uh, is a good potential thunder target. You know, I don't know how much they love Steven Adams, but uh yeah, I'd guess Uber's off the table, and because he's been aggregated in a big trade now, right, CBA rule, he can only be traded by himself. He can't be uh, aggregated with other salary in an outgoing move for a while. I don't know what the deadlines are this year. I forget. Bobby Marks already tweeted him, but it can only be for Ubre, right, which also limits the options, makes the salary hard for the Pacers side. So that's probably an option off the table. I didn't even think about that when that happened. Yeah, that was kind of my first thought. I mean, obviously, I wasn't going to think Ricky Rubio could come here because I don't want to go down that rabbit hole again. But Ubre was a guy we talked about, and I just thought, well, does it make some sense? I mean, OKC is probably not going to really care to move on from him, and they probably could get a first-round draft pick maybe for him. I think he's one of those guys they hold on to and trade him around the deadline for a team that's looking to add a piece and you know maybe do a salary dump. Uh, I mean, I could see even something like James Johnson. Uh, from Minnesota for him or something like that. Just a guy that's probably not going to be that valuable, but could get get them a pick and maybe some some cap space. But uh, let's go into free agency then, because we've talked a lot about some trades. And then at the end of this podcast, we will air what I did with Tony yesterday. Where we'll go through and uh, talk about some players that might fit nice to Sabonis. But um, let's go into free agency here. And of course, Justin Holiday is the the key free agent for the Pacers. Jakar Sampson, Alizé Johnson, uh, Bowen, and Mitru Long are also a part of that uh, free agent class for the Pacers. But right now, it appears Justin Holiday is the one to be had. So, Tony, what is the realistic uh, opportunity for the Pacers to get Justin Holiday? How much money is it going to cost? Right. Th- that's the question because if it's just his non-bird rights, suddenly the Pacers have some flexibility. They don't have to do a whole lot to be able to afford him. If he's going to cost on the high end of what it sounds like he might go for, then they have to might make some moves really quick um, in the next few days. So I've always imagined that, you know, maybe the full mid-level exception would be required. The more that the market is shrunk this offseason or the more the cap dropped, that value probably went down a little bit, uh, which behooves the Pacers a little. Uh, it's probably something in the 7 or $8 million range, you know, which seems good for him. Uh, today alone, we've seen teams like the Bucks had Robin Williams uh, opt out of his player option. Robin Williams, wow, Robin Lopez – opt out of his player option, right? So he just cleared up a bunch of room for them versus the tax. The Lakers did their Danny Green, Dennis Schroeder trade. They freed up a couple hundred thousand away from the tax. These contenders are making shitting moves. All of a sudden they could be looking at Justin Hotte, especially if Wes Matthews leaves the Bucks, for example. So as the contenders go up uh, for his services, his price goes up. So if it's in the seven to eight million range, I think the Patriots can prioritize him. It's pretty easy for them to free up a little bit of tax room to be able to sign him to a deal in that range. But if he gets the higher, he gets the mid level, the, the harder it is going to be for the Pacers to keep him. Okay, Mark. So let's say the Pacers aren't able to keep him. Is there a player or two in mind that you, that you like for maybe a little bit of a cheaper deal? Uh, Damian Dotson for sure from the Knicks. Um, you know, I, I talked to Jonathan Macri. I almost butchered his name uh, on my own podcast a, a couple of, a week ago, I think it was a week ago, and uh, we talked about Damian because he's someone who's been a real 
uh, enigma to me because uh, he's a solid player. He's not like he's not somebody who I expect to step in and be a starting player, but kind of like like Justin a little bit. Like I think he can provide some really quality things off the bench. He's he's long. He's a smart defender. He's not an awesome defender, but I think under the you know a good coaching staff and in a good environment, he would be an even better defender. Uh, he can shoot. He can do a little bit of stuff creating for himself, and he's a plus athlete. So I think um, if you were able to lock him up for like a two- or three-year deal, I think he'd definitely be worth bringing in. Okay, so I, I think now what I want to talk about, I mean, Jakar Sampson, I think that's a player we need to discuss. Is he someone that could be brought back? Um, for the Pacers at a, at a cheap deal, and maybe could he replace Justin Holiday if Justin Holiday is unable to uh, return for the Pacers? Uh, he could be brought back on a cheap deal for sure, but I, I think he, there's no way he could replace what Justin does for the team, just because he's not going to be able to space the floor. Um, and considering how big of a impact Justin had on the bench, um, you know, I, I think as much as I love Jakar, I, he's like totally maxed out in what he can provide to the Pacers, unless he randomly is able to. Uh, to start, um, what was I going to say? To start like uh, shooting threes. Um, I, I think it's just impossible to kind of recoup what Justin uh, brings to the team. All right, Tony. I know. I know Jakar is your guy. Uh, yes. Yes, I, I, yesterday, I kind of uh, started off insulting him, and you quickly corrected me. So you did. You did it on purpose. I know, but I, I try to make sure I didn't do that uh, on this on this re-record, so I didn't have to get the Jakar wrath from any of the other listeners. So um, how, how important do you think Jakar is to return to this team? See, if he is willing to take the exact same kind of – role is the wrong word, but like a slot on the roster he had last year where he was just – okay, if there's any injury, like any position three through five, Jakar, you're, this is you. You're in – you're playing big minutes, important minutes, and you're doing good stuff for us. If he would take that again, perfect. Here's your minimum. Here's, here's 120% of the minimum comeback because mm-hmm. – he did, he did great as backup center in the playoffs. He did great as starting at, starting at the four. Remember when Domas and Turner were both out for a little bit in November? He yep. started at the four, did a good job. Backup four uh, at times when one of Domas or Turner's out or Justin Holl- or Justin Holliday didn't miss any games. When McDermott was out or Warren was you – know, he played so many jobs or did so many jobs and, and showed this year that he is good, right? He, he's been okay for teams in the past, but you know with a more interior-based role, he showed that he's a good – interior defender he didn't be asked to do anything except for dunk on offense he did a great job with you know cutting and things like that his shot was good enough that it wasn't killing them I just think he's a valuable guy now if he wants to get paid for actually being good which more power to him go go do that but if he wants to get paid for being good yeah he's gone but yeah. if he's want to take the exact same contract and have the exact same role sign me up yeah, I'm I'm all for bringing him back, like you said, Tony, for for that specific role. But um, I don't want to overpay for him at all. So, right. Um, when it comes to Jeremy Lamb, this is a guy that we really haven't talked a lot about. This was someone that was a big acquisition last year in the off season, and you know the injury happened. We really missed him in the playoffs. I think he would have just been another big body guy that can score. Just something the bench really missed. And uh, his injury, I'm curious. Do we have an update on that injury, and when should we expect him to return? And I mean, that gruesome of an injury. How productive do we expect him to be this year? So, whoever wants to start. Oh yeah. Um. I mean, the last thing that I've heard was when KP talked about in the post mortem and said that um, Jeremy was really coming along, and they thought he'd be ready in December. Um. So, I mean, that's the last thing. I, I don't. Have you heard anything different, Tony? Yeah, that's what that's what KP said, right? He will be back, or excuse me, his his timeline is December. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's. But the thing is, 
Um, I think we saw this with the Porzingis news yesterday, today. I mean, it's all blur. Um, that the timeline for Porzingis is early January, but that's just return to the court. That's not yeah. return to game action, right? So Lamb could be maybe practice ready or something pretty soon. But to get, you know, like with Vic, we saw Vic practicing in October. And it took him till January to come back and play. I'm not comparing those. I think Lamb will be much faster than that. But there is time to practice and remember how to change speed and get into game shape and all that stuff. So maybe it won't be right at the jump of the season, but he could sounds like he'll be back earlier in the year based on mm-hmm. that timeline. And how good will he be? Uh, everyone's worse after an ACL injury. Question for him is how much, right? His game is not reliant on much athleticism. And honestly, a lot of his game is kind of lazy. So if, <laughs> if he can, <laughs> he just exerts a little bit of effort. And um, I mean, his, his shots, all arms and he's money from 15 feet. And if he can just be that guy still, I'm imagining he'll be, a, uh, he'll be probably worse for sure, but uh, at least a similar level player. Yeah. I yeah. think offensively, I'm not super worried about him because he's not a super bursty guy. He doesn't right. really use anything like that. Defensively, I have some questions because um, we already I did. share your and, concerns. <laughs> yeah, so that, that'll be interesting. But I also do want to say, I, I know some people were really out on Jeremy. I, I think uh, I was really excited to see him get some a real opportunity with the bench. Um, you know, I, I think it just in terms of being a bench scorer, he would have been fantastic last year. Um, if he was able to kind of be in that role, but I think he only got to do it for like four or five games before he got injured. Um, so I, I'm hopeful that he will be able to come back and, and be pretty close to, to where he's been. Yeah. That's, that's my hope too. I mean, I was excited about the pickup just because I felt like it finally gave us a bench score. Someone that could play for Oladipo until he came back in that starting lineup. And yes, I mean, he was definitely, he struggled this year to me a little bit. I just felt like it was hard to kind of gauge how good he was with the starters. I felt like I wanted to see him with the bench a little bit more uh, just to balance out the scoring. But um, he's someone I think that could be really helpful um, if he does come back healthy. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the draft and wrap this up. All right, everybody, we're back, and we're going to jump in now. It's a little bit of draft talk, and so Ryan Carr actually t- spoke today with some of the media, and Tony was there for that. So any any noteworthy stuff from that uh, conversation with Ryan Carr today, Tony? I guess the, the most noteworthy thing, you know, they only have the 54th pick super late in the draft, really hard to find value at that time, is they've done a lot of the Zoom interviews, the interviews you normally do, right, where you, you, you get the guy in the hotel room, you, you chat with him, uh, whatever, this time it's via Zoom. But they haven't done in-person workouts. So teams were limited to 10, only 10 this year of those. Um, so that's why it's kind of hard to figure out who worked out for who. But the Pacers had only picked 54 with the COVID risks were just like, nah, you know, uh, according to Jay Michael, who got the other two teams, or got two other teams, the Trailblazers and Thunder did the same thing. Uh, it's just kind of hard and logistically and not worth the risk, and especially because like agents have to set up these workouts, right? When you don't have a good pick, uh, you know, they're not going to like really go crazy trying to help you or get a guy in the gym or something like that. So no in-person workouts, but a lot of Zoom interviews. It was funny he was talking about the Zoom interviews because, you know, like he said, normally they're at a hotel or at a combine area, but this time it's just like teenagers in their parents' living room <laughs> doing a draft interview, which was pretty funny to think about. Yeah, was there anything that stood out to you, Mark? Um, no, I mean, I, I think we were actually talking about this before we got on the call. Um, you know, there had been mentions potentially of maybe the Pacers would sell the pick because I, I know that's been talked about with a lot of teams because of the salary cap crunch. Um, 
in, in re-signing Justin Holiday because a second-round player, especially at 54, is going to make less money than the vet minimum. I think it makes almost too much sense to take someone at 54 just strictly if – you know, not strictly for the purpose. Obviously, they'd want to develop them, um, but also because that could help in terms of re-signing Justin and not having to bring back somebody who is uh, already on a vet minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And those are all good points. And, you know, it's interesting because like last year, the Pacers did trade this first round draft pick to acquire Malcolm Brogdon in the sign and trade with Milwaukee. And so clearly they weren't super high on this draft, obviously 2021, 2022 are some of the drafts that have a little bit, you know, more depth in them. And so um, while this draft though, doesn't have a lot of top level players, there are some guys that, that we all like and some that actually could fall down to 54. So Tony, is there a name or two that you like that could possibly fall down to 54? Yeah, I'm glad Ryan Carr shared our sentiments saying the draft is kind of lighter at the top. But he, you know, the way he said it is kind of a way I think we need to phrase our own draft analysis instead of like it's deep in the middle. What he said is I think what you'll see is the the, the guys who turn out good from this draft will just come from a lot of places, right? Mm-hmm. Like from Europe or from this or from from this college or from this. You know, it just it's just going to be varied more so than a normal draft. Is there anyone I like? Yeah, we, you know, I've I've gone over Sam Merrill film a lot on my own Twitter. Uh, I think he's really good, and uh, we talked about this a little yesterday. I just I think they're just going to go for best player available, uh, just given that it's the 54th pick, and I think Sam Merrill, if available, would be perhaps the best player available, and Mark has a lot more uh, scouting repertoire than me, but another guy uh, that, that he's going to talk about is Nate Hinton, who I've been watching today, Mark. I'm doing my homework. He's uh, fantastic. Nate, Did you Nate find Hinton's the good? I will let you talk about Nate Hinton. Did you, if you didn't find the eight-minute rebound video, then you, you weren't scouting him correctly. <laughs> Nate Hinton <laughs> is fantastic. Uh, he's 6'5 guard, 6'9 wingspan, played at Houston. Um, was essentially their four, though, because they played pretty small. Um, just, like, he, he rebounds the hell out of the ball like crazy. I think he averaged eight boards per game last year with uh, almost three of them. Offense, I think it was like 2.7 offensive boards. And he's not just, like – I mean, he's chasing rebounds, but he's not just stealing it. In, in in somebody's boxing out for him like he tracks the ball remarkably well um and he's a really solid shooter he took a high volume of shots he has a high arc so um he's not going to get blocked super easily jumps pretty high on a shot as well and he's a good athlete and, and he can he can roam off ball he's still got to develop a little bit more uh, strength wise and on his frame to be a better on ball defender but um if he were to fall to 54 which he's gotten mocked by a lot of the big boards um have him falling that far um it's if he's there i think the pacers have to take him because i think he would be the best option available unless uh the the next guy we'll talk about um finds his way down there um but nathan would be fantastic and he's somebody who i actually think would contribute to a rotation uh even if it's like just pretty minimal minutes uh pretty early on um killian tilly is the guy though if he, he had some significant injury issues at gonzaga but he's a guy who, if he were to fall to 54, you have to take him. Like, he is that good. He's probably a lottery-level talent. Um, he can shoot, can play passable enough defense. A really solid passer for his size, can rebound well. Um, and he'd be fantastic coming off the bench. And he'd be another, like, immediate impact guy. Uh, do you have anybody else you want to add, Tony? Um, I've talked about a, a number of guys with many people. Najee Marshall, right? You talked about him. Yes. Uh, with you before. That you would be my guy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let you take it. If he's your guy, go. For well, it. I mean, just from what you guys have told me and what I've heard <laughs> on your podcast. So I don't do enough draft research. I mean, I look up the stuff, you know, very, very vaguely. And, you know, I like Killian Tully a lot too. I just don't know if he'll fall, but I mean, I don't know enough about these guys to go in depth. So I'm just curious, Mark, I know people, 
really like this. I know you probably don't, but player comps for the guys that you mentioned, are there any player comps? Uh, <laughs> okay, so yeah, here's the thing. The I, do, I, the I will talk about player comps for a second. My issue with player comps is that we just put way over over unnecessary expectations on guys with some of the player comps to come up with because <laughs> the general fan doesn't know who would actually be a good player comp. So we're like, oh yeah, well, Deshaun Stevenson's actually kind of like Mike, Michael Jordan if you squint a little bit. Obviously, Deshaun Stevenson, not Michael Jordan, still a pretty solid player. But like, I think that's just why I get frustrated with player comps. But um, so I'll give my player comp for Najee Marshall, and people will probably get frustrated and say, you know, that's not a good pick. But Najee Marshall's a lot like Torrey Craig, but probably more skilled offensively. And I think he has a better chance for his shot to be better. Um, he's really long, fantastic at trailing, um, really good at just kind of using his arms to keep smaller guys at bay. Um, he's not really strong enough to be a four yet. Like he could play a little bit out there, but he's got a pretty um, underdeveloped base right now and high center of gravity. Um, but I really like him as a guy who can kind of defend two through some fours right now. Um, solid passer, can handle the ball, but he still has a lot to work on. Um, but I think he's somebody who could develop into like a, a high back end rotation player. See, my Najee comp would be Tony Allen, but worse. But that's why I hate comps because the worst part carries a ton of weight there. <laughs> we can't, you know what I mean? It's totally different. I feel like most of the comps I see on the internet, here's how it goes. Here's my example. Okay, the, here's a lefty shooter. And everyone will go, oh, he, he's a lot like Michael Red. I'm like, wait a minute. You just yeah. picked the only lefty shooter you could think of and didn't think of any player who kind of resembles the skills yet. It drives me crazy. And I, and, I, bad. and I do know a lot of times uh, it also goes by race, too. I, I hate to say it, but it's like you see a white guy shooting, oh, it's like, oh, he looks like J.J. Redick. You know, it's like – or Kyle Corver. We, we can't just look at them and say, oh, you know, he plays like a different player from a different uh, ethnicity. So it's interesting how we do that, how our mind works. But um, mm-hmm. so 54, not, not a lot of – you know, not a lot to be too excited about. Um, if you're going to stay up and watch that, uh, it's, you're going to be staying up late. So I will be staying up to watch it. I, if you're if you're an NBA nerd, just stay up and watch it. Tony, I think you said today on your podcast, you don't even watch a draft. You just watch it on Twitter. <laughs> That's correct. Wait, okay. So I do have one last person I do have to shout out. Just okay. because if uh, – so I guess it would be more if any kind of changes happen, you know, if there's some movement on the roster. He's a 6'4 guard, wing, whatever you want to call him. So he, obviously that's, there's like seven of those guys on the Pacers already, but he's fantastic. And if he falls to 54, I'd want him. Tyshawn Alexander, uh, he's a lot like Ed Sumner, but he shoots and he shoots well. So I think that would be a fantastic game. He's a really damn good defender. And he's probably a little bit stronger than Ed too. I don't know if he's like – he's probably like 90% of the athlete that Ed is, which is still really darn good. Um, and he's out of Creighton, but he, he would be a fantastic kid as well. Any more guys you want to throw out there, Tony? I don't think so. Um, cash considerations. Have you guys heard of him? Uh, uh, he might be a guy we hear a lot about on track. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do want to talk about the, the first trade we saw this morning real quick, because it does involve a, a central division uh, Detroit Pistons, Bruce Brown going to the Brooklyn Nets. I did not understand this for Detroit at all. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was what? a, why? What do you, what do you mean? Why? You like Moose's twenty one, just got picked in the first round. Pretty good. They get a oh, second. So he's not good. He's an old era front off Bruce Brown is is Bruce Brown ever going to be a starter that's crazy but in terms of like a rotation player he's good like I think he's good I think he's better than Moose is ever going to be maybe <laughs> I don't know didn't you like could Bruce be Brown wrong. last year Tony? I just I really like Bruce Brown what's up didn't you like him last year I like Bruce Brown I just I don't think that it's like a bad it's a fine trade it's just it's fine 
Yeah. I think it's bad or good for anybody. I, well, I think it's good for Brooklyn. Like, it gives them, like, a solid rotation player who you could maybe play some minutes with Kyrie and be like, okay, well, you can guard Kyrie while he guards no one or tries to switch on to Giannis. So. Well, I, I did see from uh, Ross from Legion Hoops did say that he uh, saw the Pacers were inquiring about Musa. So Pacer fans were retweeting that on my timeline, and then Musa got traded for Bruce Brown, and then he came out and said, I told you guys Musa was being involved in trade talks. So uh, it was. I, I always find it funny when guys on Twitter have to try to uh, – you know, always look back at, and try to explain or try to defend themselves on how they had inside sources. I, I, I had a really funny quote tweet on that. Did you really? Yeah. You don't want to share? Seen, uh, have you ever seen Game of Thrones? No, I don't watch Game of Thrones. That's not Tony, my Have thing. you seen Game of Thrones? Uh, I have not. I have not. Oh seen wow. That. Okay, so never mind. Oh uh, well, uh, but okay. Well, the idea there's this guy who's like a ruler, and he says uh, a man who says he is king is not fit to be king or something like that. So I just quote to you that got some clout. It's fantastic. I like it. I just don't really like that Ross guy because he like does that all the time. And I think it's petty. Yes. Scoop B is another one that I'm not has... gonna lie, I don't know who you're talking about and I feel bad. You don't know <laughs> Legion hoops. Well, they, they tweet a lot of trades. Oh, like the aggregator. It's yeah, exactly. And he tries to pass himself off as an NBA insider, but he was really just an aggregator. I didn't even know his, his name anything well it's just because i keep seeing this pops pop up and then i saw sixers adam and scoop b got into it today i was laughing that was funny really man yes i need to uh, get on twitter more you need to man there's a lot of good stuff and not just victoria (laughs) oladipo and turner but uh uh so i guess the last thing here because this is something that's important to talk about it's like with how close we are to the salary cap and you know like how close the pacers are to the luxury cap excuse me or the luxury tax excuse me uh do you think they're gonna the Pacers should make any cost saving moves at all, Tony, to try to, you know, save some money? Yeah, that's the that's kind of the, the when I thought about the offseason, the more I talk about it with other people and do these kind of things, the more I feel like we'll kind of know their plans based on if they make a cost cutting move right away, right? On my own mm-hmm. podcast, I talked about this with my co-host Adam. It's like Justin Holiday kind of requires a cost cutting move to come back. Not not necessarily, not like it doesn't have to happen, but it probably does. So we'll know pretty early, like if Lee for McConnell or I guess McDermott because he's expiring, but very unlikely in his case, if one of those three guys are not on the team by whatever Friday, Saturday, uh, then we'll know they're, they're going for that's a, a cost can move in there and they're going to try to keep holiday. But if those guys are on the team, they're probably not going to make a cost cutting move until, you know, maybe later into the season. So uh, I, I think they should and will try to make one. It makes a lot of sense for them to, you know, be able to – their goals to get out of the first round. They're still a good team. They're, they're locked into most of their payments, even if they don't make a small cost-cutting move. You know, the team's still ex- expensive. Air quotes, not necessarily, but their team's still expensive either way. Might as well make it a tiny bit more expensive to make it a lot better by getting Justin Holiday or another MLE guy, and they can do that by making a cost-cutting move. So I think we'll see it pretty soon in the next couple of days, but, we'll, you know, it hasn't happened yet, so we'll see. Mark, any other thoughts? No, I don't really have anything to add to that. I think Tony had all of it. All right. Well, I, I, th- I, think, I think we pretty much covered everything for the off-season preview. And then in the next segment, like I teased earlier, uh, I, Mark was unable to join us because he lost power yesterday. So me and Tony did finish out the podcast that we recorded yesterday. And I gave Tony about 13 different players and asked them if they fit better with Sabonis or if, or if uh, Miles Turner did. So uh, stay tuned for that. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. You guys can hear me and Tony play that game. All right, everybody. So uh, we lost Mark Schindler in the middle of that. His uh, crazy windstorm in Ohio knocked his internet out, and we waited for him to come back on. But unfortunately, no luck for Mark there. So we were just 
kind of recapping the whole Miles Turner thing, what you want in the package, whatever. Um, we're just going to kind of skip through that now. And we're going to play a little game here with Tony. So I'm going to give Tony a player, and I'm going to ask him if he thinks that this player would fit better next to Sabonis or Miles Turner. So, Tony, are you ready? Always ready. I was okay. born ready to talk about basketball. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> Lance Stevenson. I'm just kidding. Um, no, gosh. <laughs> you said born I ready. hate this game. <laughs> <laughs> so, number one. rattle off players I hate. Okay. Well, you, I don't think Matthew I hate Matthew Delavadova. <laughs> Kelly Olenek. Yes, Kelly Olenek. I thought about putting him on there just to troll with you, but um, <laughs> uh, number one, TJ Warren. Oh, uh, yeah, Warren fits better for at, sure. At, at the four is what we're doing here. Uh, right, four, right. I, I assume that's what you're yeah. yeah, like if, um, like we just said with Hayward, right? If Hayward's in the door, either one of them are technically three or four, but like you know, we saw in the bubble, Warren can play the four well, and some of that, you know, the generous spacing with Turner out there. But even in the playoffs, Turner did not provide the spacing. The Heat just said, screw it. We don't care if Turner takes threes. And Warren, while he wasn't explosive, like he was scoring 50 points and dominating for six straight games, he was still good and, and had the room to operate. And so even without the, the spacing required, I think he'd be better at the four. I think he'd get more touches naturally there too. He'd be guarded by guys he could take more advantage of. Yeah, I think uh, I'd take Warren there. Okay, and Gordon Hayward? Uh, yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... Hayward, oh, this is tough. I think Hayward's probably better than Warren right now. Yeah, so uh, same reasoning, but with a better player? Sure, just do Hayward. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I know a lot of people are kind of like pessimistic about a Hayward for Turner trade, but I do think Hayward's better. I'm, I'm sorry. Yes, just, he totally is. That's, I mean, just does so many different things. And um, I think the, the deal actually makes sense for both teams. That's why it's been talked about a lot. So it probably won't happen, but I think it does make sense for both teams. Uh, Aaron Gordon. Oh, okay. That's a tough one. You're really high on Aaron Gordon, if I recall correctly, right? I like him. And that's just kind of going this higher is, than me, I guess. Well, I think a lot of this goes into what Mark and we were talking about off air too, is like a player that's not really had a great, I mean, I think Aaron Gordon's been in a really weird situation in Orlando just because of the players he's been playing with the system they run, like put him at three. Sometimes he's the four, like what position is he really, he kind right. of is a player to me that was drafted high, similar to Oladipo that you know could still in orlando be, yeah could be untapped a little bit i think so yeah. i mean that's but that's not really the the question i'm just the question is he better next to sabonis or not i mean i think it's 50 50 i mean turner probably does a little uh, some more things better than aaron gordon to me that fit better to sabonis but i don't know i think aaron could probably guard uh more guys yeah, on the what, perimeter what? will first really high on aaron gordon because of what you just said that defense that perimeter defense we had this yeah. discussion not super long ago. I've never really been into Aaron Gordon. Uh, you know, he's obviously skilled and good, and he'd be you know a fine starter. But the fit with Sabonis part, right, the name of the game here. Yeah. I probably lean Turner ever so slightly um, in this instance. I think over the course of regular season, that spacing matters a ton, right, for Sabonis to be able to do the things he wants to do on offense. Not that not Aaron Gordon couldn't be some fulcrum of cutting and athleticism that the Pacers need. They do need athleticism pretty badly. And perimeter defense is never bad, but I think you're losing more than you're gaining ever so slightly in the aggregate. That's a close one, though. Yeah, that, that to me was the most difficult one. Now, this one, uh, this player is the one I was actually curious your thoughts oh, on. No. So I, I might save this one towards the end. Okay, that's good. Uh, we'll skip on and go to John Collins next from Atlanta. Oh, wow. Um, same limitations on offense as, as Gordon. Probably a worse shooter. Mm-hmm. But super athlete, super young, worst defender than Gordon too. Yeah, I have to pick Miles there too. But yeah, but Collins is good. I don't know why I'm more interested in him than Gordon when he's probably worse. I don't know. 
<laughs> yeah, contract might be All something right, to do with it as well. That's true. That's probably yeah. Especially, yeah. yeah, and I think I think part of it too, like if you're trying to save money for the Pacers, like that's a trade you could make. You save a bunch of money for this year. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily look like you're making if, a salary dump either. If the Hawks didn't already get Capella last year, I, I think mm-hmm. that, that Turner to the Hawks would be like the, the talk of the summer this summer, basically. Yeah. They yeah. Well, you never know. I mean, they could always get Turner because I think he's better than Capella and then try to flip Capella yes. too. Yeah, I think Capella got inflated playing with James Harden. Yeah. So you're probably right. Yeah. Okay. So we'll go a little bit older here. PJ Tucker. Oh, oh that is <laughs> – Oh, close. I love – okay, so so the, the raw fit with Sabonis question, the answer is Tucker. Like, uh, his corner threes are locked, are knocked down. He's a great defender. The trouble is, A, he makes – and he probably wants more money because he sacrificed a ton for his role. But his, his money is interesting. He's older. And um, under McMillan, he would be a, a useless offensive player because he, <laughs> he basically can't dribble, right? He's only a catch-and-shooter. With Bjorker, he might be a little more have a little more utility on offense as a shooter, and they'll try to be creative to get that guy open. But his defense is really good, man. Like that's why the Rockets wanted him so badly, and he's so good on the perimeter. So I would take PJ Tucker there, but that one's tough because like if you're actually executing some sort of move that that ends up with Tucker on the Pacers in in, in lieu of Turner, you know he he's, he'd be the oldest player on the team immediately. He's already paid a lot. He's due for a contract soon. So that that actual value, if there's a move there, is pretty tough. But in terms of who's better with Sabonis, yeah, it's Tucker, I think. Yeah, and I guess you can kind of also look at these players and see how do they fit with Warren as well. In the That's true. Court. That's a good point. So, like, that could be a reason maybe you might not like somebody. Like, this is somebody that me and Mark talked about a little bit, Robert Covington. Um, do you oh, think Covington over everybody on the list so far. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I I'm like a Covington. big Robert Covington fan. Yeah, his I think I think Mark because I'll speak for Mark here from when we talked before, but I think he was a little bit worried about Covington and Warren playing next to each other. Really, he, he felt like Warren was better at the four. Maybe maybe I shouldn't speak for him because I don't want to like <laughs> like uh, yeah. not be able to defend himself. But he said that like, he thinks Warren is more of a natural four, and so is Covington. So that means that Warren would have to be guarded by threes and have to guard threes. Mark's house but, is about to blow over in a windstorm, and Alex is just ruining his opinions <laughs> <laughs> that's what i remember i mean hey it could have changed by now i mean we're all uh able to change our opinions but uh don't kill me i'm just the messenger could have been some uh misunderstanding there from See, the- i don't know how much the pacers value covington because i'm sure i don't and by sure i mean this is all conjecture but like i'm sure if they wanted they could have flipped 18 from last summer when the timberwolves are shopping him so yeah you know they, they didn't do that and again they, they used all their space like to the dollar for good players who made them better so maybe they had a plan but you know, if they wanted him, then they could have had him. So I, I don't know how much the Pacers are interested in Robert Covington, um, but I really like Robert Covington. Yeah. Okay, uh, Kevin Love. Oh, this is this won't make me unpopular because I'm a huge Kevin Love fan. I know you are. That's why. This is the same problem with PJ Tucker, where yeah, the answer for me is Kevin Love with Sabonis. But this one's closer than PJ, where even despite age and contract, I still might think I would do that because yeah. he is just he's a beast, man. Like. People forget how good he was for two reasons. And one, everybody knows, is that he was hurt a million times with the Cavs. They're tanking. No one gets to watch him play anymore. But two, he played with LeBron, right? And he got to be the third fiddle. He got to be the scapegoat for legitimately everything that went wrong for the Cavs. Same thing that happened to Chris Bosh with the Heat. It, everything that goes wrong. You know, LeBron could score 11 points. Kevin Love, what the hell are you doing, man? You only got, you know, this or that. It's stupid. But he's really good. He's a great rebounder. He's, one of the, he's a great passer for his size. He can shoot. He can take guys in the post he can kind of pass and remember he was like i mean he's lost umtillion pounds since then but he used to be like the guy on the glass too so he can do a lot his defense leaves a lot to be desired 
even though everybody remembered the only defensive thing anyone ever will remember from Kevin Love is him locking down Steph at the end of the final. Yeah. But he, you know, he's, he leaves a little bit on the end of the floor, but I just think he's so well-rounded, multi-time all-star. Money is definitely scary. I understand why that, like with Tucker, you know, the actual logistics of that kind of swap is really tough. But, yeah, Kevin Love. I, I mean, I think Kevin Love could take the Pacers to, like, good enough to get to a second round all of a sudden. I think. Yeah, I agree with that, actually. And I think Kevin Love is viewed as a negative asset from, from a lot of people. Well, that's what a lot of people are reporting. Like, they I just kind of – they want to get I off the money. That should be the case. And – I, I mean, I've got a, I got a fake trade idea for you. I'll, I'll throw out at the end. It might kill me here from other people. Kevin listening. Love with a usage rate that's like similar to, he's like mid to low twenties, which is like fourth starter level shit, which makes sense. He was playing with Kyrie and LeBron, was still putting up in Cleveland like eighteen and t- eighteen and ten and and three every game. Like he was still stupid good. If he gets the ball four percent of every hundred possessions more, all of a sudden you're like. Oh, this guy's getting us twenty and ten every game. You know what I mean? Like he's he's so good. Yeah, and last year he gave the Pacers the business when uh, he when did he was give the Pacers. The, or was that two years ago? When he, did he play against the Pacers last year? He yeah, in the beginning of the year. But it's that's right. Is when they had the blue and orange jerseys. I think it was like the, yes, I, I yeah. And I well, the other thing about Love is his contract. So the the issue the Pacers are running into, we talked about this already. The cap is not going up that much. Well, yeah. Kevin Love in twenty 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 one makes thirty one million. And then the next season, he makes the exact same amount. And then the next season, it goes down. Yeah. So even with the cap being an issue and his contract is huge again, it, it's still manageable if he maintains his play. The problem is that he's 32. So, All right. We'll go through these next ones kind of fast because I don't think that they'll necessarily be fits that you think make a lot of sense. So uh, Blake Griffin. Oh, uh, Blake Griffin's definitely a better fit and a great player. But coming off a massive injury, I don't know how good he's going to be. Yeah, I guess my only concern, like, I feel like he's more of a playmaking big. So would yeah. that interfere with Sabonis? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's my only negative yeah. on that side of yeah. things. But Blake's probably better than Sabonis when healthy. But Oh, yeah, like, I agree with that. So I don't know. I I would rather – his contract is worse than Love's. Um, Blake's a better fit, but that doesn't really make sense to me from, like, a, how do we get this guy or, like, what the deal is. Yeah. Uh, Gallo, a uh, free agent. Gallo. Gallo's awesome. Gallo's one of the most <laughs> underrated players in the NBA. Uh, yeah. That'd probably be a sign and trade, right? Um, just because yeah. he's worth more than the MLE. But yeah, he'd be a great fit. He can shoot. He can defend capably inside and out. Um, he's just one of those guys that's like pretty good at a lot of stuff and is well rounded on offense. Yeah, he'd make the pay. I might rate him above Warren. I, I'm really high on Gallo. So yeah, he'd be a great Interesting. fit. Yeah, I like Gallo too. I that's think... probably a little too aggressive, but I, I feel how I feel. <laughs> yeah, defensively, I think, I think Warren's got a little bit of an edge on him there. But uh LaMarcus Aldridge. Oh, could they actually do that? That actually makes a little bit of sense. Um, they could do it. I mean, if they were to attach like Turner and Lamb yeah, for Aldridge. And if they don't give any damn about their future. Um, because yeah. <laughs> he's only he's an expiring. Yeah, Aldridge is again better. That one's hard. He's he he would clog up the spacing. All of a sudden you are dealing with the issue that um you know the Aaron Gordon issue again, and mm-hmm. he's expiring. I probably oh, that one's really hard. I might go Turner on that one, but Aldridge is really good. I'm probably understanding. I'd rather just have Turner for, yeah, for the – Logistically, with the trades and salaries included, Turner 100% on that one, but on court, that's really close. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, so two more left, and then I'll give you my guy that I want to talk about. Uh, yeah. Maxi Kleba. Oh, Kleba's too centery. He's he's really good. Advanced stats think Maxi Kleba's like a stud. <laughs> yeah. He's not. He's a ma- – like advanced stats are role-based, right? So he's the master of his role – with Sabonis, no, I'm not that enthused by that, although I get why the Mavs, again, would want Turner. Yeah, okay, Zach Collins. 
Collins. Another one like Kleba. Um, he's young, so he could grow, but no, Turner's skill set's probably better there. I think I picked turnovers at Collins. Okay, so this is the one that I'm curious about because I feel like his name's been mentioned a little bit more recently in trade rumors because the Hornets have been in a lot of trade rumors. So that's Miles Bridges. Ooh. Yeah, uh, if Miles Bridges is really about to be dealt in like a Russell Westbrook trade, uh, good good for the Rockets. Uh, Miles Bridges is good and can jump really high and scores a lot of points and shoots a little bit below league average from three. He's uh, He's pretty good. Can he play the four? That's kind of like you're moving Warren up. He's only 6'6". Six, six. I think Turner right now is a better fit, but certainly Bridges could grow, right? He's only 21. He's yeah. He's played a ton of minutes both seasons for the Hornets, right? So he would certainly grow. That one is very interesting. And I, the Hornets are desperate for a center, right? Like, I was always zeroed in on them as a potential Miles team before they got the third pick, and now they can have Wiseman if they want him, but... Man, Bridges would be interesting if they could find a way to swing him. Dynamic finisher at the rim. He's just got to get a little better at finishing from one other area, and he's got it. Yeah, so this is my three-team trade I'm going to throw at you here, Tony. And you can you can laugh or you can think it makes sense. I, I threw one originally to Mark, and then I decided that I probably should change it because of Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, one, the situation that happened today. Yeah, and wow. And, and uh, two, just because I, I know Cleveland really valued him. I mean, he's got a great deal on his uh, contract, and he played really well. So this is a three-team trade between Cleveland, uh, Charlotte, and Indiana. So the Hornets are going to get Miles Turner. The Cavs are going to get – three expiring contracts and TJ Leaf, Oladipo and Zeller. And this is basically just a get off money. So since they're pretty much in rebuild mode anyway, this made a lot of sense to me for them. And the Pacers get miles bridges, Seti Osman and Kevin love. Wow. Miles bridges, Chetty and Kevin love. And they're giving up just Turner, Turner, Oladipo and leaf. <laughs> right. Uh, that's close. That's pretty close. That tickles my fancy for sure. Well, I mean, I think it makes sense because, I mean, even if you don't start Love, you could start Bridges next to Sabonis, or you could bring Bridges off the bench, start Love, and then kind of figure out their minutes. I think Seti would be really good off the bench. He's on a really cheap deal, uh, $8.8 million for the next four years. So, I mean, easily could be traded. I don't know how much they value. Yeah, he's like uh, Glenn Robinson level, basically. Yeah, I don't know what they value him at in Cleveland because uh, – I mean, that's not a great contract, but I know I know Kevin Love's not everybody's favorite player, but I believe the Pacers would actually save some money on this trade, just a cool. little bit, which is, which is a big deal. Cleveland, the only reason, I, I like I said, Zeller, Oladipo, and Leaf are all expiring contracts, and that's close to uh, $40 million in expiring. Yep. So, and then they have Andre Drummond com, coming off the books next year as well. So I think that that might make some sense, especially if they're wanting to dump Love, and all they really have to do is attach Osmond to it. I, I think that might be intriguing. And then, of course, like we talked about with Oladipo, you know, they might let Oladipo play and then trade him, or they could find a team to trade Oladipo to before the season's over, which could get them maybe some more assets. I don't know. I just, to me, it made sense. So that's it why. Does. It's pretty good. I mean, it's hard to find a perfect trade. Like, you know, like, it really that's, is. Why, that's why I think Dallas is good. Like, I, I know, like, you think you put DeLon Wright, and who was your other one? Was it Seth, Seth Curry? Curry? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'd be okay with that. Did you have 18 coming back to the Pacers as well? I did. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's a, a pretty reasonable trade. Some people, like, don't like that because they're like, we're not getting back enough for Vic, but that's why it's so hard to gauge his value. Right. And, and, and Turner, basically what you're hoping for there is that Miles Bridges is just a really good fit, you know, and Kevin Love can still, you know, really help this team win. That's what I think makes a lot of sense, but I don't know what the Pacers are wanting to do with their with their core right now because – they probably want to keep them all together. That'd be my overall my my overall question here at the end. I mean, do you expect 
the Pacers to make any significant moves or run it back with the same core? I think they'll make one big trade. I don't know which one of the two it's going to be, but I think they'll make one. Yeah, that's, that's kind of my gut feeling right now. I feel like it's going to be Turner. I, I feel like Oladipo is just going to be too hard to trade right now. And I think with how many calls they're fielding for Turner, um, it, it just makes a lot of sense. And I can see why Turner might want to be traded himself just because how much he's probably tired of hearing himself in trade talks. And then, yeah. uh, of course, this whole stupid thing with Victoria Oladipo, like if that makes any significance, I don't know. But it's just, it's just interesting to me. So any, any final thoughts on this offseason, Tony? I think we covered all the big bases, so uh, I'm excited to see it all play out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, make sure you guys follow Mark on Twitter. I know he's not here to give us – Pour one out for the man. Yes. M. Schindler, NBA, uh, T. East, NBA, and I'm at Alex Golden, NBA. Pacer Nation, thank you so much. Hope you guys are excited for this upcoming offseason. All right, everybody, that does it for another episode of Setting the Pace. If you guys like what you're hearing, make sure you give us a five-star rating and review over – on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And make sure you leave a nice review. Thank you so much, and peace out, Pacer Nation. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.